attitude, but it is also recorded as a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus himself claimed to be meek and lowly. Jesus is the master architect of the soul. He gives us the steps. He details out the path that we must take to be happy in this unhappy world. He reveals to us and he shows us a plan. It's a plan that brings about peace. It's a plan that brings about happiness for all people to follow for all of time. If we would just implement it, if we would just make it a part of our lives. I've, I've had people tell me many times in different settings that, Brother Merrill, I just wish I had peace in my life. Peace is so elusive. Peace is that thing that never seems to exist for some. And, uh, and I watch, especially in my work, the work environment that I've involved in, people that are uh, the opposite of me, people that are confrontational or, or people that like to get in somebody else's space. They always seem to have trouble. They always seem that there's, there's turmoil in their life and there's always a problem and there's always a circumstance. There's always somebody that doesn't like them and there's always a conflict and there's always a fight and, and there's always somebody that they don't like and there's always somebody that don't like them and, and there's this tension always in their life and they, they never seem to find peace and and I, I, I've had them even ask me, and they say, how, uh, how do I have peace in my life? And, and turn right around and, and confront or, or say something to somebody, and they respond. And the next thing you know, you've got this, this tension in the air. And, and I'll say, I, can, I may not be able to tell you exactly how to have peace right now, but I can tell you how not to have it, and you're doing a good job at it. So Jesus gives us a blueprint for peace. A blueprint for peace. There must be meekness in our lives. Jesus was meek. He was a meek person. He was a meek Messiah. During the children of Israel's oppression, their political oppression by the Roman government under uh, under extremely brutal rulers. Uh, in 63 B.C., uh, it started even more so these brutal, brutal rulers that were appointed by Rome. One of them was Herod the Great. Let me tell you just a, a couple of things about Herod. This is what uh, we, we have a president that we don't always understand as Americans, the idea of a ruler or a king over us. We have a president, he's elected or unelected. Uh, however, the people uh, decide to move, it's a free choice, but they didn't have a choice. The Jewish people at this time did not have a choice, and, and Herod the Great was one of their rulers. Herod the Great executed nine of his ten wives. Because he thought they might would be unfaithful to him. That's the kind of person he was. Herod also issued a standing order 
that his son was to be executed on the day that Herod died. In other words, Herod said, the day I die, y'all come execute my son so that on the day I die, somebody will mourn. They liked the son. They hated him. So he knew that when he died, nobody was going to be sad. So to make sure that somebody was sad the day he died, he had him execute his son. That's the kind of person they were dealing with. It was the kind of people that the, the Jewish people had to deal with. And so Jesus and these listeners, these people that were listening to this message that he is preaching, they are desperate for a Messiah who will come and crush this Roman control over the land of Judah, over the land of Israel. They're desperate for somebody to come and take them away and, 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 to re, and relieve them of this kind of oppression. So they're looking for this great military leader uh, for, for a, a deliverance of Roman influence. The Pharisees wanted a Messiah that was a Messiah of miracles to do all of these great things. The Sadducees wanted a materialistic Messiah, one that would gain them a lot of stuff. The political activists, they were called the Zealots, they wanted a military Messiah. Instead, all of these people watched as Jesus sat on the side of a mountain and began to preach a message, and he said, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Total contrary, totally contrary to the mindset of the day. Those people didn't want a meek Messiah. They didn't want somebody to teach them about meekness. They wanted somebody to come in and get the guns loaded up and fire and inspire, get everybody worked up into a frenzy, and then to go and confront the Roman leaders and the Roman military and, and overpower them and destroy them and, and to declare their independence again and to be free from this type of oppression again. But that was not Jesus' plan. Jesus' plan was for, for meekness. So for all of us, when driving down the road and that person pulls out in front of you, if you're anything like me, maybe all of you are meek and mild and never have a problem with it, but it drives me insane. I'm doing 65 miles an hour. It's a 65 mile an hour speed limit. I don't speed much anymore. God's helping and somebody will pull out of a driveway three and a half feet in front of you. Good thing they have the half feet or you'd never stop in time. And they do 20. This is where meekness comes in. I'm working on it. I'm still working on it. When you can slam on your brakes and you can take the shoulder of the road and all of that stuff. And inside your blood doesn't boil. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for not letting me hear that hit that dear, sweet person. Thank you for your wonderful kind. That's meekness. Man, that's meekness. I, I've still struggled with it. Because I'm like, oh, you, oh. And, you know, I, I don't use bad language and, and all that stuff. And I try to tell, you know, God help that person because they can't drive. You got to do something for them or I'm going to help them out. 
I had a bigger vehicle with a big bumper or an Abrams tank, I'd push them down the road a little ways and just let them see how it feels to get up to the speed limit. But that's not meekness. Jesus teaches us to be meek, not to react. Revenge is not meekness. Revenge is not meekness. I'll, I'll use this as an illustration. At, at my place of employment right now, we're going through some HR issues. And any of you that have ever managed anything or dealt with HR problems, boy, it's unbelievable. What happened was somebody said something to somebody else about their weight. Well, they got mad, and they went and called HR and wrote a statement. Well, because they wrote a statement, HR has to investigate. So the investigation was launched, and that person was confronted. Well, they got mad because that person filed an HR claim, so they filed an HR claim. Well, guess what they said to me first? And they wrote a statement. And so now it has gotten into this tug of war. And poor HR is caught in the middle of it. Because by policy, they have to investigate any written statement. Now, if you call them and say something, that's one thing. But if you write a statement, you put it on paper, they got to investigate. That's their policy. And so it has just been a tug of war, one exacting revenge on the other. Well, then somebody's friend got mad at the way the friend was being treated, so they called HR and wrote a statement. And so by the time it's over with, we have an HR, corporate HR lady has to come down from Houston and interview 40 people to try to straighten this whole mess out. It's all because I am going to enact revenge on the other one for what was done to me. That is not meekness. You understand it brings turmoil to your life, it brings conflict. And, and so now we have these two factions, one faction that supports one person and the other faction that supports the other person, and when they walk by each other, it works. They don't like each other. They were friends a month ago, but they don't like each other now. If meekness had been enacted, if they had just looked at this situation through a spirit of meekness. The first word, whoever said it, nobody now really knows who said what. I'll be honest with you, it's, a, it's crazy. If whoever said the first word to get it all, if they had just been meek, if they had just had a spirit of meekness and said, you know what, I'm not saying what I think. If it was about the, the person's weight, it is what it is. Don't say it. Just be calm, be cool, and be collected, and be meek. Don't start conflict. So now all of these people are searching for peace in their life when they started the trouble they're invoking because they weren't meek. Meekness is not weakness. We talk about the society that the children of Israel were living in at the time Jesus is teaching this lesson so 
this teaching of, of miracles and the, the, the miracles that he performed and what he has said has, has gotten the whole nation of Israel uh, in a spirit of anticipation and it's building among the people that uh, this could be the promised Messiah. They hang on his every word. They're, they're waiting for Jesus to say something, to give them the, the time frame or to give them uh, what he, his plan of what he's going to do to deliver them from, from the Roman government. And, and happy are the meek, Jesus says. And you can imagine that somebody in the crowd would stand up or, or mumble uh, to the person uh, next to him. And there's probably this little sound of muttering throughout the whole crowd that, that says, man, can you believe this guy? Talking about meekness, are you serious? Are you crazy, man? We don't want to hear about meekness. We don't conquer the Roman the government. We don't conquer the Roman military with meekness. Meekness, this person would probably say, is weakness. But that's not true. The meek are God's gentlemen. People that are meek are gentle people. The things of this world don't intimidate the meek. They're cool and they're calm in adversity. When adversity comes around, you can tell the meek, they don't blow up and overreact and fall apart. They're able to contain themselves. They have warm hearts. I love this statement. The meek have warm hearts not hot heads. That's a good statement, isn't it? Our society, our culture today has rejected meekness as a principle of the pathway of happiness. And we feel, society fills this vacuum with behavior that's barbaric, it's unseemly, it's, it doesn't, it's the opposite of what God wants. We don't want to hear the voice of God as it tells us to be meek, as it tells us that we should enact the fruit of the Spirit, that we should grow and manifest and mature the fruit of the Spirit in our life. But God, I want the gifts of the Spirit. God, I want to be a prophet. God, I want to give a message in tongues. God, I want somebody to be awed and wowed by me when I walk in the room. I think a lot of times about the scripture where Samuel went to a city and the Bible said the men of the city shook with fear until they figured out why Samuel was there. He had such a reputation. People knew that when Samuel walked into the room, God was with him and they were scared to death. And you talk about Elijah and you talk about Elisha and, and the, the, the fire consuming the sacrifice and the stones and the water. And, and God, we want all of that stuff. And, and it's nice to have. And all of that stuff is great and wonderful. And it's a part of God. But when God whispers in our ear that if you want, uh, if you want to do something, why don't you manifest instead of the gifts of the Spirit, why don't you manifest the fruit of the Spirit? The manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit are far more beneficial when they are manifested through somebody who has developed the fruit 
of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit benefit more if they're used or if they're, they're manifested through somebody who has developed the fruit of the Spirit. You know, there's a lot of people in, in, in the religious world today that have been destroyed spiritually by being used in the gifts of the Spirit. I remember somebody telling me one time, a lot of you have heard of Brother T.W. Barnes, a man that is, was, was incredible, has since passed away, but he was an incredible man in the gifts of the Spirit, and, and there was a lot of young preachers that wanted to be mentored by Brother Barnes, and, and I happen to know one of these guys who is now in his 50s, but when he was in his uh, mid to late 20s, he asked Brother Barnes straight up, Brother Barnes, I want you to mentor me, and Brother Barnes looked at him and said, no got his feelings hurt. Poked his bottom lip out and he went tootling off all upset and mad because Brother Barnes wouldn't mentor him. Several years later he had an occasion to run into Brother Barnes again and he said, Brother Barnes, why won't you mentor me? And he said, because you can't handle it. It was only years later that this man discovered that before God wanted to use him in the gifts of the Spirit. He needed to develop the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what Brother Barnes was telling him. Boy, you can't handle this yet. You haven't developed the fruit of the Spirit yet. I don't want it to destroy you. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 and 22 and 23 is an incredible, incredible scripture. If you don't have this memorized, Galatians 5, you need to memorize that, that chapter Read it, it talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. The Bible is telling us, God is telling us that meekness is a part of the Christian lifestyle. Meekness is a part of who we are. So does being meek mean that we allow aggressive people to run over us? It is a hard thing to balance the turn the other cheek and when to fight back and all that stuff, isn't it? You know, if somebody walks up and slugs me, I had a guy one time told me, I believe the Bible, but if somebody walks up and me, I'm hitting them right back. But meekness, people will ask, does that mean that I have to just lay down and take it? Does it mean I stand silent with my head bowed while being abused? No is the answer to that. Meekness speaks in truth and in love. It stands its ground calmly yet resolutely. Listen to that again. Meekness speaks in truth and in love. Meekness will stand its ground calmly and resolutely. In other words, I'm not, if I am a meek person, I'm not screaming back at you. A meek person doesn't holler back. I will stand my ground. And I will stand it resolutely, but I will stand it calmly. You will never move me from my piece of ground. 
but I am not going to lower myself to your level of action or attitude. It doesn't mean I'm going to stand here and take it, but it does mean I'm not going to become like you. This is hard to do, especially in family circumstances and situations. Man, that husband, wife, kid walks in and says something crazy, and watch out. Well, let me tell you something else about your mama. Or this one, you're just like your mama or your daddy. That's not meekness. Meekness says that when circumstance comes to me, when you make a statement like this lady at work about uh, getting offended over somebody saying something about her weight, I don't want to be cruel or mean. She's a big woman. And the person shouldn't have said what he said. I agree with that. But meekness says, I'm not going to, I don't have to take this. But I'm not going to stoop to your level and make another accusation about you and do the same thing you did to me back. Meekness says, I'll go up to you and say privately, I don't appreciate that. And I would prefer that you not make those comments to me again. But you can do it privately, where you don't make or where you don't make a big show, where you don't try to get accolades for yourself. Don't embarrass that person. I'm not going to sit here and take this. You don't have to tell me about stuff like you don't have to say comments like this uh, to me at work. They did it in front of people getting a show, but I'm doing it privately to tell you I don't appreciate it. That's meekness. It doesn't mean you lay down and just accept what's dealt to you, but it means in how you react to it. I'm going to react the way God wants me to. I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm not going to lose my religion. I'm not going to lose my spirit. And more importantly, I refuse to lose my witness by reacting in an inappropriate manner. Because whether you like it or not, how many of you ever heard of Dennis Rodman? Y'all remember him? I don't think he's even on the scene anymore. That dude was crazy. Man, purple hair, really? That was probably the least of it. Anyway, I remember uh, actually reading one time where a lady had a brief audience with Dennis Rodman after some dumb stunt he pulled. And she was mad as a hornet at him. And she said, my son, who is 12 years old, looks up to you as a role model. And you're acting like this. You dress like this. You look like this. And he looked at that lady in front of all of the reporters. I have not seen the video clip, but I understand it. And it's probably on YouTube. And he said, I don't want to be your son's role model. I don't want your son to look up to me. Tell him, don't look to me. Don't be like me. The unfortunate situation in Dennis Rodman never understood is that he didn't have a choice in the matter. And when you go to your place of employment, when you go to your family members, when you go to your friends and you profess that I am a child of God, I am a Holy Ghost filled 
child of God. I have the power of God living on the inside of me. I am a witness whether you like it or not. People look to you and the way you act and the way you talk and the way you conduct yourself as a manifestation if, of God really living in you or not. And when we, when we approach a circumstance or when we approach a situation outside of the boundaries of meekness, when we respond with equal force, when we do the same thing that they do, then they realize that the God that we profess that lives in us will make them no better than he's made us. So if I act as a, uh, as a person in the world, as a person not serving God in a specific way, and then the power of God that supposedly changed your life and made you wonderful makes you act the same way I am, then what benefit is there to me going to serve God? If God doesn't do anything more for you than what I already am, that worldly person can say, then why should I change? But when a person responds with meekness, oh, you probably won't get a card in the mail that says, I appreciate your meekness. They may not even know what the word meekness means. But when they see God in your life and you don't respond the way it was presented to you or the situation came at you, but you respond calm and you respond cool, and you respond collected, and you respond, wait a minute, they're standing their ground. They're not laying down and just being stepped on and beaten up, but they're not doing it harshly or cruelly. They're not calling people names. Calling people names, that's, that's going right down to the level of a four-year-old. Can't stand calling people names. If there is one gripe I have, please don't ever come up to me and call me, tell somebody, or tell me something and call somebody a name in that. I hate derogatory names. Don't respond always the way the situation is pushed on you, but respond. Respond in a godly manner. Meekness is not weakness. If somebody calls you dumb, you can tell them I'm not dumb, but you don't have to call them dumb. If somebody calls you something or says something about you, well, you know, you are ugly. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to just lay down and take it. You may decide that that would be the least uh, damaging response and just say, well, that's your opinion. God bless you. But you don't have to call them a name back. It's, it's, it's meekness. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Walk as a child of God that you're called to be. Walk in that walk with meekness. In Titus 3 and 2, the Bible says, Speak evil of no man to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto men, unto all men. 
Don't call people names. Don't speak evil of people. Be meek. Colossians 3 and 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. 1 Timothy 6 and 11, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Why in the world does Paul in these scripture settings and much more, tell us that a child of God, a person professing Christianity, should be meek. Because Jesus was meek. Paul himself understood meekness because Paul was meek. But do you think Paul was weak? When he was in jail, the jailers discovered that he was a Roman citizen and tried to release him secretly. But Paul said, oh no, boy, that's not going to happen. You put me in here publicly, and you are going to release me publicly. Paul didn't cower down to the pressure they were putting on him, but he did it in a manner that did not bring reproach or shame to the kingdom of God. He was meek. Jesus was meek, but he was not weak. Jesus said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. But was Jesus weak when he went into the temple with a whip and said, "You, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves, and he ran the money changers out of the temple? Do you call that weakness? But he still did it in a way that did not bring reproach to his kingdom. When the Pharisees came to Jesus, he rebukes them, and he says, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? As the Roman guard slapped his face and they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. He didn't respond. He didn't fight back. There's sometimes maybe that response from us or to fight back is not the, not the best method. You have to judge that, but... But he's, he's going through this, and Jesus doesn't respond. He's being meek. He's showing us meekness. But it doesn't mean he was always weak. Now he's in heaven, and one day will return to the earth to rule the world. He's meek, but he's certainly not weak. Meekness is more talking about or more means to us the mastery of yourself, to be able to control yourself, to have control or mastery over yourself. Vine's dictionary uh, describes it this way, it consists not in a person's outward behavior only, nor yet in his regulation or relations to his fellow men, nor yet in his mere natural disposition. Rather, meekness is an inwrought grace of the soul. The exercises of it are first and chiefly towards God. It is that temper of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting, knowing that the insults and injuries that are afflicted us are permitted and employed by him to chasten and purify his elect. That is meekness. 
It's inward. It's not only outward, but it's inward. And it's not only towards other people, but it's towards God. Paul had understood this concept in Philippians 4 and 12 when he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. If you had the opportunity to sit at the table with Jesus, at the Last Supper, when the disciples were arguing over who would do the foot washing because it was necessary. It was actually a servant's job and there was no servant there. And so they're arguing back and forth about who is going to wash the feet of the people in there. Jesus himself stood up. He was secure enough in who he was that he was willing to submit. He was willing to do the job. The most dangerous people in the world are the insecure. The insecure are in the titles the secure, listen to this, insecure people are into titles. Secure people are into towels. I'll be careful here this morning because there's a doctor present. But I met a guy one time that was a doctor and everybody was calling him Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so. And while I was standing in the room, there was somebody that called him. It was like Dr. Bob or whatever. I don't remember his name. And they said, do you want me to call you doctor? He said, yes. I spent eight years in medical school. I want to be referred to as doctor. Very insecure person. They need their title. They want to make sure that everybody sees, insecure people want to make sure everybody sees what they're doing so that they can receive accolades and everybody can look at them and say how wonderful they are. Secure people, people that have engaged meekness. They understand who they are. They understand their role. They don't need to respond. They're in the towels. They're just there to serve. The meek are so secure in their relationship with God that they're not scared to be a servant. So Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. When Jesus returns back again, the Bible says he will literally rule the world for a thousand years. And when he returns, the meek, those that make it, will inherit the earth with him. The first time he came, he was obeying in Bethlehem's major. The next time he comes, he will be the king of kings and the Lord of lords coming back in power. The first time he came, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The next time he comes, he will split the eastern sky riding on a white horse as a mighty conqueror. The first time Jesus came, he was dragged before Pilate. The next time he comes, Pilate will bow down before him and confess that he is Lord. The first time Jesus came, he was crucified on the cross. The next time he comes, he will sit on his throne. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus knew what he was talking about. He knew the first time he was going to come to the earth, there was going to be these things. There was going to be a manger, and there was going to be a donkey, and 
And he knew he would go before Pilate. He knew he would be crucified. But he knew that if he did not respond in, in, a, in a way that was outside of what God wanted and outside of the will of God, and if he responded through meekness, he knew that eventually it would be him that would inherit the earth, being a perfect example of what meekness is, of what meekness truly is. So Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, blessed are the meek. If we could just engage that principle, just one, if we could just engage that one, oh, how much trouble could we avoid in our lifetime by just being meek. Can you imagine what the world would be like today if everybody in the world embraced that philosophy? That I am not going to respond to knuckleheads in the same manner that they acted towards me? What would the world be like? One day we'll find out if that pleased the Lord. Thank you this morning uh, for your attention. I appreciate you folks more than you'll ever know. God bless you. Uh, get up, shake somebody's hand. If you see somebody you don't know, shake their hand.